Well, I'm glad you're here, and uh, we're very aware there's a lot of churches that you could be worshiping at, and I'm glad you chose Cornerstone, and uh, warts and all, this is our church, and um, I love it. I love all the people that are here. Craig and I were talking uh, earlier, it's just a neat church to invite people to, so I thank you that you're here worshiping with us, and this is a Mother's Day message, and on May 9th, 1914, It was an act of Congress. President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. He established the day as a time for, quote, public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country, end quote. By then, it had had been uh, become pretty customary to wear white carnations to honor departed moms. Did you know that? Departed mothers, white carnations, and red carnations to honor the living mothers. And it's a custom that in some way, shape, or form often continues even to this day. So mothers, you are to be honored well. Not just today. Certainly on this day, this weekend, And the Bible does just that. The Bible honors moms. The Bible honors wives in in a really a truly spectacular fashion. Yet many women, and and by the way, the the way that really almost the pinnacle of the Bible's honor is in Proverbs 31. Yet there's a lot of women who don't really like this passage. I hear things all the time like, quote, it's an impossible standard. Who can live up to it? Where is the chapter for men? That's what I hear all the time. By the way, you know who spoke all of those to me recently? Well, I wouldn't want to rat out my own wife, so I won't mention her name. But she's really not too keen on this chapter, although she recognizes it as inspired by God. But it's a difficult chapter for her, and I'm sure it is for many Many women, but possibly, maybe, Proverbs 31 has been a misunderstood chapter of the Bible. For instance, it's likely that it has in mind no specific woman. Now, do you hear that, ladies? I want you to hear that right at the beginning. Likely, in fact, I am positive there is in the mind of the writer no specific woman, but rather the ideal woman. Now, I want you to listen, ladies especially. The picture of a person that Proverbs 31 portrays is a woman that Christ has gotten hold of. Who has been and is being transformed by his wisdom. Skillful living is what wisdom means. This is a picture of a woman who cries out for wisdom. God gives the power of skillful living. She's being transformed into this woman in whom he delights. So my goal is twofold in this message. Number one, I want to show that Christ what Christ, rather, is doing among our ladies by His transforming grace and power of His wisdom. And I want to reveal, ladies, your greatest potential. I think you're going to see it today in Proverbs 31. Let me give you a few points. Point number one, you ready? We're going to see the plea. We're going to see the plea of a godly mother's heart. 
Now notice with me how Proverbs 31 begins. You've got to have your Bibles out. This is so crucial today that you've got your Bibles open. Proverbs 31. Go right to the very middle of your Bible. Hang a right. Just a little bit. You're going to find Proverbs 31. Look at verse 1. The words of King Lemuel. An oracle, now catch it, that his mother taught him. Now a lot of people believe that her words end at verse 9. But there's a lot of other people that believe, no, they don't end in verse 9, they end in verse 31. This whole chapter is part of this oracle of the mother of King Lemuel. I happen to agree with that. The rest of Proverbs, all the Proverbs contains instructions from a father to his son. But not in Proverbs 31. What you've got in Proverbs 31 is a mother's heart and the wisdom that she imparts to her maturing son. Ladies, the Bible elevates your influence in the home. Listen to what Proverbs 14, 1 says. Listen to your power. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Women, you can build your homes and you can tear it down. And I've seen both in our church. Look with me at her exercising of this God-ordained influence. Look at verse 2, Proverbs 31. What are you doing, my son? Listen to the plea of a godly mother's heart. What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do you hear the progression? My son, the son of my womb, ending with the son of my vows. Do you hear this mother's heart? She'd given this boy birth. And with vows, she gave him to the Lord, which is what the name Lemuel means, belonging to God. And she pleads with him. This is a mother who's pleading with her son. Be careful, Lemuel. Be careful in three areas because he's likely forgetting. Listen, the three areas that she's about to mention, she's mentioning because Lemuel's not doing so well. Do not give your strength, verse 3, to women. Don't run after women. Don't run after women. Your ways to those who destroy kings. Look at verse 4. It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink. Look at verse 9. Open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of the destitute, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Lemuel, the mom is saying... You're wasting your strength on women and alcohol. You're neglecting the poor. See, her plea is passionate. It's straight from the heart. This is how mothers are to build their homes. Let your children, regardless of their ages, listen, even if your children are graduating high school, even if they're done with college, even if they've got families of their own, regardless of their ages, mothers, listen, when they're straying from what you've taught, let them hear your heart. Your role is not done. Draw inspiration from Job, who all of his children were adults. They all had their own homes. They all had their families. And yet when they would get together to celebrate any of their siblings' birthdays, Job would sacrifice a burnt offering. He would pray on behalf of his children. He was the priest of his home. That job doesn't ever end. Not on this planet. 
But let's move on to verse 10. Now you're going to hear the instruction of a godly mother. You've heard the plea of a godly mother's heart. Now I want you to pay attention with me. We're going to run through this. The instruction of a godly mother. I want you to know this about this proverb. This is spectacular. This is amazing. You know how awesome the word of God is? Listen, verses 10 through 31 are called an acrostic poem. Which means this, every single verse begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. All 22 verses that you're about to hear, that we're about to go through, all begin. If it was the English alphabet, then it begins A, then B, then C. This begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the next verse, the next letter, all the way through the entire alphabet. This is a genius of a poem. And there's, they're all through the Bible. In fact, they're, they're memory aids. They're mnemonic devices. They built, they wrote, they published acrostic poems to help people remember what the truth was that they needed to know. And she had just told her son what kind of a man he is to be. Remember, she said, quit chasing the women, stop overusing wine and beer, stop neglecting your responsibilities to help those in need. Now listen, men, let's look at us for a moment. Those are three instructions that are still relevant today. And this is a mother who is seeing her son not do so well in those three areas. So she does something about it. She pleads with him. And now she begins to instruct him. She knows how, listen, she teaches him a poem to understand what kind of a wife to search for. That's what we're about to discover. See, this is a mother Teaching her child, here's how you find a godly, excellent wife. For she knows how difficult it could be. Look at verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? Listen, this is mom saying this. She is far more precious than jewels. Excellent, or King James, virtuous. It's used in the sense of thrifty, devoted, dependable to her family. A thrifty, devoted, dependable wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels. And what she's saying to her son is this, Lemuel, don't lower your standards. Don't do it. Keep them high. And here is what I want you to look for as you search for a wife. Mothers, you build your homes. This is what you teach your children. This is what you invest in your children. Mom, your influence is incredible. So you parent from wisdom. You teach your kids what kind of a spouse to look for. And you are an example to them. So don't be discouraged. Don't dread Proverbs 31. Realize this is a picture of a woman whom God is transforming. Now, I'm going to give you six characteristics as we go through the instruction. Now, ladies, here's what I would encourage you to do. Now, you ready? I'm going to repeat this throughout this message. This is a picture of a woman crying out for wisdom. 
And God is giving wisdom to her, which is the power to live skillfully before him. And that wisdom is his grace of transforming power. And he's making her into this woman that we're about to study because this is the woman in whom God delights. So as we go through these and you sense that maybe you're not strong in one of these areas, well then, listen, that's discernment. This is how you cry out for wisdom. God, I need wisdom for this. You ought not to leave here discouraged. You ought to leave here empowered, mothers, to cry out for wisdom, knowing how incredible your job and your task is. Lemuel. My son, look for a trustworthy wife. Look for a wife that you can trust. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Do you remember what I told you? Lemuel's mother had no woman in mind when she wrote this. This is not a picture of a specific woman that she was saying, be like her. This is a picture of this is the woman that God delights in. And he gives power and wisdom to transform all women who ask into this. A faithful, trustworthy wife is the most precious gain a man can acquire. And because of her, look what it says, he will have no lack of gain. You know what that word means? It refers to rich plunder that a victorious army would take. In other words, she brings treasures to him. She brings treasures that are both material and immaterial into the home for their household. Her life is devoted to doing him good, making him utterly convinced of her love for him. Do you remember I, I opened up this message saying that some ladies are like, where's the chapter for the men? Do you remember verses 1 through 9? Lemuel, Lemuel, you're being an idiot. His mom. You're being an idiot. You're chasing after women. You're chasing after wine and beer. You're not doing what you ought to be doing as a king or future king. You ought to be battling on behalf of the poor. You ought to be reaching out your hand to the needy. But you're so consumed with yourself. This is one through nine. Now mom's teaching him here. You need a wife. You need a wife that will be a godly mother. Let me teach you how to find that person. Martin Luther once wrote, the greatest gift of God is a pious spouse who fears God and loves his church and with whom one can live in perfect confidence. So Lemuel, look for a trustworthy wife. But Lemuel, there's more. Look for a hardworking, diligent wife. Look what it says in verse 13. She seeks wool and flax. And works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. And some of you might be possibly dismissing this by going, this is so antiquated. I don't sew. I don't even possess a sewing machine. Listen, you're not alone. You know who my children go to when they need a button sewed on a shirt? Me. My mom sewed all the time and she taught me how to sew. I like to sew. I'm a little bit effeminate. I like it. 
She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands and she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her her hands hold the spindle. See, she works hard. She works hard inside. She works hard outside the home. Not grudgingly, look what the text says, with willing hands. She shops for her family. Now follow the text down. She shops for her family at the grocery store. She gets up early in the dark to provide for all in her household who are dependent on her. Even in this woman's case, the servants. Her husband trusts her so well. She's free. She's encouraged. Make family investments. I don't need to micromanage you. I trust you. He doesn't worry when she goes shopping. He knows her discretion. He knows her self-control. From her own earnings, she purchases a field. She plants her vineyard. Listen, this is not an argument for a stay-at-home mom or a mom who works outside of the home. Listen, it's a picture of a hard-working woman who does both. And her husband has complete trust in her. She spends carefully. When she does, it's for the benefit of the family. She knows the value of what she possesses. She doesn't allow herself to be cheated by anyone. Even in the evening, she is still working for her family by by lamplight. I mean, look at how that section begins and ends. They both begin and end with a mention of her hard, willing work. Listen. Making cloth. You know, Jewish women generally produced the clothes for her family and herself. It was a laborious process. They would attach wool or they would get flax. You you would get flax from stalks. The fibrous material, you boil it and the fibrous material separates and you get strands of it. Or the wool from the sheep and you bunch it and you pull it out and you get start to get some of the, the um, fibers. And then you get a distaff and a spindle and you begin to spin the fibers into threads. Listen, it's a laborious process even making thread. You don't have a little spool in a kit that they would take out with a needle and put it through the eye of the needle and sew it right up. They had to make the thread so that they can make the clothes. And they were experts at it. They would attach uh, the thread. The thread, rather, was woven into cloth and they would run it vertically. The way that they built, they made cloth back in that time in Israel, they ran the thread into, or they wove the thread into cloth running it vertically on a wooden frame or a loom and they used a shuttle to run more thread crosswise over and under each vertical strand. And you do that long enough and all of a sudden you make cloth and they would take that cloth, they would cut it, they would sew it into clothes, curtains, towels, tent fabric. Look at verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. God delights in a hard-working woman. But Lemuel's mom goes on. Lemuel, look for a compassionate wife. Make sure she's trustworthy. Make sure she's hard-working. But listen, don't choose a wife that doesn't have compassion. 
verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. How interesting, isn't it? That what Lemuel was lacking, verses 1 through 9, he wasn't reaching out to the poor, he was neglecting the needy. What Lemuel was prone to neglect, here's this wise mom telling him what to look for. A woman who makes up for where your weaknesses are. That's what it means, a helper fit in Genesis chapter 2. A helper fit means a counterpart. Somebody who has weaknesses where you have strengths and strengths where you have weaknesses. You don't look for somebody exactly like you. This, it is, it's not so much opposites attract. It's that opposites are God's design for a redemptive, balanced, healthy marriage. Except it's those opposites that tend to drive us into conflict. She's telling Lemuel, look for a wife who's compassionate. Meaning this, that her hand opens, it doesn't grab onto possessions, refusing to let go. She's got an open hand to the poor. She reaches out to those in need. Her heart is full of compassion. Listen, is there anything really... Much more feminine and beautiful than a woman full of grace and kindness. I've been married 24 years. I would say that is the most beautiful character quality of a woman. There's just something about grace that's feminine. There's something about grace that fits a woman and makes her radiantly beautiful. And Lemuel, look for that kind of a wife. Look for a compassionate woman. And then she goes on. Lemuel... Look for a wife of character. Verse 21, she's not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household are clothed in scarlet. Hold on to that. This is significant. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the, to the merchant. You know, threads were dyed. They were colored scarlet by crushing an insect called the tola. And when you crush the tola with a pestle and a bowl, it produces a blood red, rich crimson color. You dip the thread in that and dry and you produce scarlet thread that makes scarlet clothing. Or in the case of the tabernacle, scarlet curtains. She cares for her children, preparing them for harsh weather. Look at, she's not afraid of snow for her household. Listen, ladies, that means she's not afraid of bad weather for her children. Why? Because they're clothed in scarlet. Well, what's that mean? Well, not only are they warm, but they're not going to get lost in a snowstorm. They are discernible. They are seeable. They are going to be distinct from the snow. They're going to stand out against the snow so that you can find them safely and bring them home. But a, a mother here might be saying, but I, I cannot be this woman. I, I just don't know how to sew it like this. Listen, this is about protecting your children. And you are able to help them, mothers, dress in scarlet. Let me prove it to you. Remember Tola, the bug that you would crush and make crimson? 
If you flip your Bibles over, you don't need to, but in Psalm 22, verse 6, David prophesies of the crucified Jesus, and Jesus is quoted as saying, but I am a worm and not a man. The word worm is tola. Meaning that when he is crushed for our iniquities, it will produce crimson blood that will be washing us away, washing the sin away from our souls. See, the Father laid our sins upon Jesus, his Son, standing out against his holiness. Now Jesus has our sin, holy Jesus, who's never sinned in all of eternity and still did not sin, but now all of our sin is laid upon him. The contrast could not possibly be greater. And mothers, when you see your children sin, when you see them moving in what the Bible calls iniquity, when you see their heart choosing what is not pleasing to the Lord, you can have confidence in the power of your Redeemer. You move towards your children and you bring out from them the recognition that what you are doing put Jesus Christ on the cross. And you dress mothers, you dress yourselves, look what she's wearing, fine linen and purple. You show your children how to live by the grace of Christ. You see, purple dye was obtained, was gotten from a shellfish found on the eastern Mediterranean shores. You find that shellfish, here's how they would get that purple dye. It's extremely expensive, very, very rare. You take that shellfish, and in the back of that shellfish's neck is a white sack or a white vessel. And it contains the colored liquid, purple um, liquid, called the flower. And they would take that flower, and they would break it open and put it into a bowl. That's how they found the dye to be able to get your clothes to be purple. And typically, in the Bible, the color purple pictures royalty, like the tabernacle hanging, scarlet and purple. But in verse 25, look what it says. Look at your Bibles. Strength and dignity are her clothing. What's fine linen and purple? They stand for strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She smiles at the future. She knows who she is. She's dressed in the purple royal robes of the daughter of the king of kings. And that king holds the future. She doesn't need to be afraid of it. She can walk into anything and smile knowing that she's got future faith which produces hope and dignity and strength. See, she lives in such a way that her husband gains fame. Look what it says. He's known in the gates. It's at the gates, verse 31, that her works praise her. Her very works are praising her at the gates. People are saying at the gates, man, you really married up. You are blessed with that woman. She doesn't do anything to embarrass him before other people. But even more, she's managing the family so well that he can pour himself into his work, not to neglect his family, but to perform his very best. Note that the, look at the passage. It says her household. It doesn't say his. 
You don't read his household in this. This is about her household, not their household, her household. For you mothers will build your houses or you're going to tear them down. There is no middle position. And how does she build her house? Look at verse 26. Here's how she does it. She opens her mouth and wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Lemuel, his mom says, a wife of this character will build you a house that will bring you endless gain. But there's more. Look for a Lemuel, look for a family wife. Look at verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. This is a mother who is always watching the ways or the behavior of her children, ready to honor or correct them as appropriate. But she also brings order to the family. She manages the household well. I want you to look at that verse again, verse 27. See the word ways. I'm not sure what it is in your translation. It was used in the book of Nahum, chapter 2, verse 5, where it says he remembers his officers, they stumble as they go. That's the word way, same word. They hasten to the wall, the siege tower is set up. In other words, what this means is this. This godly mother sees pandemonium in her family, sees chaos, and she brings it into order. Whether the chaos is because children are running all over the place with soccer and baseball games and practice and homework. Or because her children's behavior betrays character that needs to be changed. This woman brings chaos into order. And Lemuel looked for a woman who loves her family so much she can watch over their ways, bring them into order so that it can reflect a God who is an orderly God. See, this mother doesn't wait until their father gets home. She intervenes and brings about discipline or praise. I'll never, ever forget The time where I left my bicycle at the bottom of the driveway, in the middle of the driveway. And I don't know to this day why my mom got so mad at that. But all I remember is she said to me, Tim, you wait till your father gets home. And I knew what that meant. It was going to be the belt. And when my dad put the belt to us, it was drop your pants first. And here comes the belt. So I was a genius. I thought, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and I'm going to put on about 15 pair of underwear. So when I drop my pants, all he's going to see is one pair of underwear. And it's going to be so padded, I can take any whipping you give me, Pops. And you know what? He saw my rear end sticking out about 10 inches and said, drop them all. That was the worst spanking that I think I ever got. Listen, this woman doesn't say, wait till your father gets home. I counsel ladies, listen, and I'm telling you, don't ever do that. You invalidate and disempower yourself. You've got the right to discipline. You don't need to wait for your husband. But Lemuel, look for a godly wife. Look at verse 30. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Ladies, there is something beautiful about godliness that fills your soul. And it overwhelms your outer beauty. Lemuel, his mother taught, weigh the heart of a woman far more importantly than her body. 
Because beauty and that figure are going to eventually fade, but her love for God will only deepen. Now, Susanna Wesley was a busy woman, busy mother with 19 children. 19 children. Yet she set aside time every single day to meet with God in prayer and the study of her Bible. Here's what she would do. She would take her apron and she would put it up over her head while she sat in the corner of their little home. And those children knew when mom has the apron over her head, she is with God. Do not disturb her. They grew up watching a woman who was a godly wife. And it moves us to the third point. So we've gone through the characteristics, the instructions of a godly mother. Let me move you to the third point. We're going to move through this fairly quickly. It's the praise for a godly mother. A pray, The praise for a godly mother. Kids, I want you to look at me for a second. Children, I don't care how old you are or how young you are. If your mom is still alive, I want you to look at me for a moment. Honor your moms. It's your job. Husbands, I want you to look at me for a moment. Honor your wives. That's your job. When you see your wife, when you see your mother living out any of these six characteristics, bring those to her attention. Honor her well. Say, Mom, you are a hard-working mom. You are like the Proverbs 31 mother. Mom, you are a godly mother. Honey, you are a mother who is trustworthy. I trust you with everything. You are like Proverbs 31. Honor the women and your lives, the mothers, and your wives. Look what we learn here. Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Don't wait for just Mother's Day. Rise up in the family. Rise up in the church. Look for opportunities to honor godly mothers. Let Facebook and Twitter light up with public praise. Don't neglect private praise as well. And by the way, men, look at this. Where do children learn to praise their mothers? Look what it says. From their fathers. Verse 28. Her husband also, he praises her. Listen, if you've got children that don't honor their mother, I'm going to tell you almost always it's because her husband doesn't publicly honor her. Not in the family. Children need to hear dad say things like verse 29. How did he honor her? Well, this is what he would say. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. There's a lot of good mothers, honey. There's a lot of great wives, but none of them come to your level. That's what his children heard him say. And they began to do the same to their moms. Even her works praise her, verse 31. Give her of the fruit of her hands. Let her works praise her in the gates. She will be the talk of the gates, which means that she will be the talk of the whole town. They will all see her works and praise her. Children, praise and honor your moms. Husbands, honor your moms and praise them. And ladies, let me tell you, when you live these characteristics, your works go ahead of you and they will bring you praise. You want to know something that's really interesting? 
There's a lot of people that believe that Lemuel was another name for Solomon. And by a lot of indications, that's probably true. Meaning that the mother in view who is teaching her son this oracle, this mnemonic um, device for memorization, this poem, this acrostic poem, the mother there would be Bathsheba. Who had an affair with King David and out of that affair, rather out of that marriage, soon had Solomon. And if that's true, how encouraging that wisdom had the kind of transforming power to take someone whose story begins with adultery and makes her such a wise and excellent and godly and trustworthy and faithful and compassionate mom. But ladies, if you didn't hear anything I just taught you, that's okay, but you got to hear this. Because I'm going to tell you what your greatest influence is, number four, the witness of a godly mother. Here's the greatest point that I'm going to tell you today. You see, the, the Prover, Proverbs 31, now, listen, you've got to look at me actually because this is so important you get this. Proverbs 31 was written with two purposes in mind. Two. Here's the first. Let me remind you. It was to show young men the woman to look for in a wife, as well as to see that if you cry out for wisdom, which is skillful living, God will transform ladies into this woman by his grace. That was number one. Now you ready? Here's number two. The second and even greater purpose of Proverbs 31 is that your life would show the world the beauty and the glory of another woman Her name is the church, the bride of Christ. Your life, ladies, when you are living out Proverbs 31, when God's wisdom is transforming you, your life speaks and points to the beauty and the glory and the praiseworthy institution called the church. Which is often represented by a woman in scripture. The church's husband is Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And if you go to Ezekiel 16, you see the Lord found this baby unwanted and thrown out into a field with an umbilical cord covered in blood still attached to its stomach. He took this baby, he took her as his own, raised this baby as his daughter, and when she grew to marrying age, he said, I want you, I want to marry you. This is God in Israel, this is Israel who will become the church. See, the church in infancy was Israel, but now today, Gentile and Jew in Christ are united through faith. And what we've got here is what the transforming grace of Christ is doing in his bride. This is why I said at the beginning, I love this church warts and all. You know why? Because we've got a lot of things left to grow in. There's a lot of things about this church that honestly tick a lot of people off. And I'm very aware of it. But our leadership is made of frail people who are in desperate need of grace. And those who can't give that grace, listen, God will deal with you. 
We're a church under construction. This is Proverbs 31. This is what wisdom can do to a church. To make her beautiful to God the Father. Beautiful to Jesus his Son. Precious to him, 31 verse 10. Look at what it says. Where the treasured possession the church is called. His blood bought inheritance. We bring him no lack of delight, verse 12. No lack of joy. The church is working for him, serving him, willing hands, even now working out our salvation as he works in us by his spirit. Listen, we are planting vineyards, which are symbols for for called out people, communities, symbols for churches. We're dressing, we're to dress ourselves with strength. You go to Colossians chapter 4 and you're going to see what kind of clothes to put on. And those clothes are all righteous clothes. So we are to dress ourselves in strength and know how valuable the clothing is. That clothing was given to us through the cross from the death of Jesus. It's his clothes that he's put in our wardrobe for us to dress in. We open our hands to the poor, verse 20. We reach out to the needy. Our clothing is blood-bought scarlet, royal purple as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Our job is to make known Jesus, listen, who sits on the gates, meaning he sovereignly rules over all. We're to be filled with strength and dignity. We learn to laugh toward the future because we know he who holds the future is our husband, is our father. There is nothing that could come against us apart from his plan. And his plan is always good. And there will be a reward for eternity for for the church. And many will be born into his household and they will praise and they will love the church. Listen, when you bring people to the church and you show them the glory of the church, they ought to love the church. Because when you love the church, you love the church's husband. And her husband, Jesus, adores her and declares his praises for her dwelling. Even now with her, he will not withhold his reward. He will give to her his reward. Listen, this is all about the church. Ladies, an excellent wife who can find her? The Lord can. And the Lord can make her an excellent wife. And the Lord can make her a spectacular mother. And when he does that, she points her life to the very glory of the church. And there is nothing on this planet that God loves more than his church. Nothing. Nothing. Ladies, as Christ transforms you into the woman of Proverbs 31... You are a witness to what he is doing in his church. Some others, I want to say from my heart to you, thank you. We have got so many godly women in this church who are compassionate, trustworthy, who have dignity and strength, who know that their clothes are purple. The royal rags of the, the royal riches of the wardrobe of the daughter of the king. And they hand out their possessions to the needy. And they are looking at their children and they're saying, it's my job. 
to build my house, to watch over the ways of my household, to bring honor to my husband so that he can do what he needs to do to work for the glory of God. Ladies, you are incredible. Cry out for more wisdom and watch what God will do with his transforming grace. Let me end with blessing you. I'm going to ask the children, kids, I'm going to ask the men to stand up. I'm going to ask the moms to stay down. We're going to honor you. And I'm going to read to you one of the greatest blessings of all of scripture. And I'm going to pray this blessing over upon you. And mothers, I want you to be seated and I want you to sense and feel the honor of the Bible and the honor of God and the honor of these children and men in this sanctuary upon your life. The Lord bless you, mothers, and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's pray.